1: Lindsay mentioned it in the announcements Um, Next week is our annual sacrifice Sunday It's a 90 day offering that helps us with some much needed ministry projects here at the church You know last month we talked about missions and the the giving that goes outside of this church This offering is to help meet the needs right here in this congregation And very quickly let me tell you we've got four projects that we're shooting for this year Let me share them with you so you can begin to pray with us about it The first project is we want to protect our members and especially our children, so we want to invest in security cameras here in our church uh, this year, amen. We're going to put a security camera in every classroom, in all the hallways, the stairwells, the lobby, the auditorium, and we want to have our kids protected, amen. Amen. So if the sound of security cameras doesn't excite you, let the word be children's ministry. Amen. So that project is going to be about $30,000. We need you to help us with that. The next thing we need to do, we need to purchase some new fire alarm panels. That is not a must-do project. We, I won't bore you with all the details, but that system is going to be about $10,000 We also have to purchase, this is another must-do project, we have to purchase some new microphones, wireless mics for our platform because the FCC is now requiring churches to operate on a different frequency than the microphones that we are on. It has to do with emergency communications, not interrupting that. And we don't want to interrupt any emergency communications. And we also need to be in compliance. That's about another $10,000 project. Then the last item, and this is a wish list project. This is a dream idea. We want to buy a new LED sign for our road. Amen. I met with the county, they're going to probably give us a special exception so we can raise our sign up higher, make it bigger. We want people to see us and know that we're here and to be able to share messages with our community and that is about a $60,000 project. So uh, if you've got an extra 60K laying around, I'll even put your name on the bottom of the sign, amen. (laughs) So uh, this is our wish list item, Uh, the first three items are things that we have to do. The last item is something that we really want to do. And I see Pastor Pat Williams. Brother Williams, you just pray about that sign, okay? It's good to see my buddy Brother Williams here today. Amen. But uh, just pray with us about that. It's a 90-day offering. Uh, In other words, you can make a pledge. We want to try to raise $110,000 so that we can do these projects. One thing I'm very proud of, and I can tell you this, we like to pay for things here at Life Church. We don't like to borrow money. The only uh, debt that we owe is our mortgage, amen, and uh, we want to get that paid off too. But uh, help us to meet some of these goals and uh, make some of these needs come to pass, amen. So, let me welcome you back to our series on what if. Uh, our What would happen, this is the second week of our series, what would happen in us and in our church and in our communities if we gave every area of our life to God? Now, last week in message number one, we talked about commitment, and I preached on this subject, commit everything. Psalm 37 and verse 5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust Him, and He will help you. Now, today we're going to dig down just a little bit deeper, and I want us to look at one particular area that we can commit our lives in, and that is serving others. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. And I'm going to share with you our text. It says, God has given us, given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. Because God's given each of you a gift, it says. Use them well to serve one another. And I want to preach on this subject today, serve one another. Serve one another. Now, today is Dream Team Sunday. If you haven't noticed, uh, then you haven't been paying attention. But there's a lot of red t shirts on today that recognize some of the people in our church that are involved in our dream teams. And today we're going to talk to you and share with you the opportunity uh, to hear about our dream teams and also to talk to our dream team leaders about how you can possibly get involved on a dream team, a ministry team, to make a difference in the lives of others. If you'll notice in the back of the auditorium, there are tables in the back that are highlighting some of the ministry opportunities that are available to you as members of Life Church, and areas that we need additional team members in. I want to remind you that there is nothing more valuable than investing your life and seeing God bring great results in the lives of other people. Amen. Let me bring your attention to the screen real quickly. And instead of just hearing about it from me, I want you to hear about it from some of our actual Dream Team members.
2: to speak about worship and i just really want to say that i love worship here at light church every sunday i just look forward to just running up to the front and just encountering the lord um and i'm just so grateful for every person on the worship team that takes their time they they come up with their talents and they just spend um the time sharing their talent with us so i really want to just thank you so much for giving your time for us
3: I want to give a huge shout out to everybody who serves in children's ministry. You guys are absolutely amazing. You sacrifice your time every Sunday for our youngest members. And as a mom of one of those, I just want to say thank you so much. I can see the fruit of your labor when my kid comes home and he's with me, you know, Monday through Saturday and the things that he's learning and the prayers that he's praying. I can see a difference in his worship and you guys are just making such an incredible impact um, Herbie, thank you for always giving him a Hot Wheels. You make him excited to come to church. Um, and Tiffany, um, I wanted to say thank you for personally coming and talking to me about Nakota last year. Um, he was bit by a dog and he was so scared. And I know he shared that with you, and you prayed with him. And then you came and you told my family how much that meant and how you were praying with for us as well. And so. Thank you to all of our children's ministry people because you watch the kids like they're your own, and I thank you all so much.
0: Hello, hey, how you doing? I'm your cousin Vinny. For people that don't know me, I haven't been here for very long. Um, I just, uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful to everyone that comes out and helps out at Life Church. I try and do as much as I can here. Uh, I know other people are here all the time. Um, it's our home away from home. It's uh, people come here during the week and they do classes, and people are here on Sunday, and we make it what it is, and it's a great place to be. Um, we love Life Church, and everybody loves coming here because of the people that help serve. We've got all kinds of things for people to do. I challenge you this year to try and find another mission to come out and help out in another way or grab a friend, grab somebody new and bring them along so that they don't feel so out of place. Uh, People just love to help out. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And again, once again, uh, I'm very grateful and thankful to everybody that comes out and helps out. Hey Life
2: Church, this is Adrian. Uh, I'm relatively new around here. Uh, my daughter and I have spent some time, and we visited a lot of different churches over the course of uh, the past six months or so, and we fell upon this one. And for me, we look for a hot prayer room, and we look for places where we can go out and bless the community, and we've got to do both here. So uh, we're really thankful for, uh, for the people at, at Life Church and, and the ways that uh, we're active in the community and active in the prayer closet. So uh, we look forward to, to being a part of the church.
0: Hi, my name is Robin. Um, I've been attending Life Church for maybe four months now, and I want to say thank you. Thank you to Guest Services. It has been a pleasure coming here and someone greeting you with good morning, glad you came today, or either just the honks when you come into the driveway, always honk. So I just want to say thank you, even to the people when you come in the door, the welcoming committee. I get hugs, people who know my name, to who I thought didn't. That helps a lot to let me know that they remember me. So I just want to say thank you. And that did have a great impact on me becoming a member of Life Church. So thank you.
3: Hey, I'm Dana, and I am here with my sweet friend Skylar. And she has been coming here about six months now. And tell me about the first time you went up to Kids Church um i liked it you liked it
2: yeah but But i was kind of scared you were
3: kind of scared okay because when you meeting didn't want to really meet some new people and it was kind of scary right yeah yeah but then you kind of got involved a little bit at kids church didn't you
2: yeah
3: and you liked it Mm -hmm. you made some friends because life church is very friendly right yeah we get you in and then what happened tell me about meeting miss charlotte uh, I met her, and then I tacked her on the shoulder so I could go upstairs, and then I started singing, and I loved it. You started singing, and you loved it. So what do you love most about Kids Choir? Mm, I don't know. Do you like the praise and worship? Do you like the songs? Do you feel like you're singing your real voice that God gave you? Yeah awesome you are such a wonderful singer and we are so blessed to have you as part of kids church and shout out to charlotte thank you for all you do and the lives that you're changing
4: working in nursery has been a blessing in my life because as a mother myself i know how important it is to be able to feel like you could trust the people you leave your child with i also know that sometimes sunday mornings is our only time we may be able to get during the week to connect with the body of Christ and give our all in worship and praise without having to worry about a thousand other things that need to get done. I have been on both ends of the spectrum, a mom who needs the nursery on Sundays and a mom who works in the nursery on Sundays. And I have gotten to see firsthand that nursery isn't just about watching your kids. We play with them, pray for them, and try to begin in putting Jesus into their lives as early as possible. So while you're in church getting more from God, We're watching your kids trying to start the beginning stages of introducing God into their lives. Even though they may be babies, they are little sponges who absorb what's going on around them. So we turn on VeggieTales, a show that has Bible stories. We pray, we teach one simple Bible point a day, and we treat these babies with love and care as if they are our own. Without the children's ministry and nursery workers, we would have a service with distracted parents and disrupted services. Thank you for the people who have watched Mason on Sundays so I could have a break and be able to spend uninterrupted time in God's presence. And thank you to the mothers and fathers who have entrusted me and the rest of the workers with your children. We love our ministry and we love Life Church.
1: You know what, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find stuff that's wrong with the church, but what you just saw is everything that's right with the church. Why don't we give all of our dream team workers a big hand of appreciation and love, amen? I'm so thankful, so thankful for each of them. It makes a difference. There was a man from the East Coast, and he'd always dreamed of owning a cattle ranch, and he finally saved up enough money to buy his dream spread in Wyoming. His best friend flew out to visit him, and he asked him, he said, so what's the name of your ranch? And his buddy told him that he had a really hard time coming up with a name that he liked because, you know, naming your ranch is a big deal in that part of the country. So he and his wife couldn't agree on what to call it, so they eventually settled on this name, the Double R Lazy L Triple Horseshoe Bar 7 Lucky Diamond Ranch. His friend was really impressed and said, wow, that is a really long name. So where are all your cows? He said, well, we used to have quite a few, but none of them survived the branding process. (laughs) Now, as today we talk about using your talents and your gifts, I want to start out by saying this. A lot of people give up on serving others because they don't survive the branding process. In other words, they get so caught up in what we call and name our gifts, what we call and name their ministry, that we lose focus of what investing your life really is all about. See, the branding doesn't matter. The name doesn't matter. The key is not so much to identify and name what we have, but to use what we've been given. Amen? Amen. Naming your gift is not uh, nearly as important as using your gift for the glory of God. So let's not get so hung up in the branding process that we forget that we're in the people business, right? And God calls on us to serve others. Titles don't matter. The limelight doesn't matter. The branding is not what's important. Just use who you are and what you are good at to serve one another. And for the most part, it's really not that difficult to identify the talents that we have, right? Some of you are good with music. Some of you are good at drawing or cooking or you're good with kids. And after a while, we can tell more or less what we're good at, what we enjoy doing. Our problem usually is not identifying our talent, but it's using our talent for the glory of God. See, most of the time, we're not really using what we have been given by our Creator to our greatest potential. Martin Luther King, who I mentioned last week to you in my sermon, once said this, and I love this quote. A lot of people haven't heard this, but this is what he said. He said, if you are a street sweeper, determine that you're going to be the best street sweeper who ever lived. Sweep streets like Michelangelo painted. If you become the best street sweeper who ever lived, the world will beat a path to your door to see the best street sweeper who ever lived. In other words, be the best at whatever God has called you to be. And remember that the first step toward fulfilling our purpose is to understand that there are no insignificant tasks in the kingdom of God. Amen? Those who do great things have greatness in them, not just in their task. And if you will do whatever you're doing right now with all your heart as unto the Lord, and if you will face every task with the passion and devotion to excellence that his work deserves, you're going to do great things because greatness will be in you. Remember, you and I were all made in the image of God who does all things well. Now, there are really four stages in our Christianity. By the way, you can take notes on the Sermon app. We've mentioned this the last couple weeks. If you have your app out, you can follow along, take notes, fill in the blanks. Now, this this next part is not in your notes. I just added this this morning. But there's four stages in our Christianity. Number one is when unbelievers become believers. That's the first stage. The second stage is when believers become disciples who begin to grow. The third stage is when disciples become leaders who find their purpose in life. And then the fourth stage is when leaders become servants and learn to serve others. Unbelievers become believers. Believers become disciples. Disciples become leaders. And then leaders become servants. So my question is, where are you today on the spectrum? Are you an unbeliever who still needs to take that next most important step to become a believer? Are you maybe a believer that you're still learning to be a good disciple and you're growing in your faith? Are you a disciple who is finally finding your purpose and you're becoming a leader? And then are you a leader that is ready to serve others? Because I would submit this to you. I don't know if you can stay a leader very long if you're just sitting on the pew or sitting on the bench and not serving other people, amen? You might still be stuck at the second stage. But today I want to challenge us to become servants and learn to serve others. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, and verse 14. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. Now in this parable, Jesus wants to remind us Of the need to use what He has given to us, no matter how great or how small we might think it is. Follow along with me, starting in verse 14, we're going to read to verse 29. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each of them according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and, ta-da, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 22, He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Lord, look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. A long scripture passage, but full of a lot of stuff that the Lord wants us to understand here today. Now, when you start looking at this word talent, what is a talent really? Well, a talent in the New Testament is different from our present day understanding of the word talent. A talent was actually a measure of weight, and a talent was also used to indicate a large sum of money. It's... Value really varied. It depended on whether it was copper or silver or gold. The New International Version called it gold. The New Living Translation called it silver. But Jesus was wanting to teach us an important lesson here. He said a master was getting ready to go on a trip. He gave one of his servants five bags of, let's say, gold. Five bags of gold. One he gave two bags of gold. Another one he gave one bag of gold, and he left. He went on his journey. When he returned back, the person who had five bags of gold had invested it and in another five bags. Now he had ten. person with two, he invested his two, used them. He got four bags of gold. But the one guy with one talent, one bag of gold, the Bible says he put it in the ground. He buried it. He didn't use it. And the master was upset with him because he had given him a talent that he refused to use. He had given him a talent that, That would have brought increase. But he was afraid and he hit it in the ground. And the interesting thing is every one of us have been given talents, giftings, skills. Some have been given more than others. There's some five talent people, some two talent people, some one talent people. And when you and I get to heaven, you might ask God, well, why did you give me the one gift that you did? We might all ask those questions, but hear me. Everybody has a gift. The Scripture said that. Now, when you read this story, it has a first reference practically to how we invest our money. But it also has this secondary application that I'm talking about here today. And that's how do we use our God-given talents and abilities for His glory to serve one another. And what if we all began to serve one another? What would happen not only in our church but in our community, in our world, if everybody used what they had to serve somebody else. That's what we're focusing on in this message. message. Do you use your talents and gifts or abilities to serve one another? Why should we want to or even be willing to to serve one another? Well, let's look at some lessons here you can learn from the parable that I just read. And if you're taking notes, here's going to be your first fill in the blank. Here's the first lesson we need to understand. What we have is not ours. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you think it's yours, but really it's not. (laughs) See, verse 14 said that this man was getting ready for a journey, and he called his servants in, and what did he do? He gave them his property, and he said, I want you to manage it. Now, it was common for wealthy men to take long journeys. Before they would leave, they would delegate Uh, the control of their wealth to trustworthy employees. They were called stewards. They were managing the stuff that, that he left with them. Those employees were expected to steward or bring in a return on what had been handed to them. Now, there was no doubt in the mind of these servants that the property and money belonged to their master and this is an important point guys you need to remember that everything that God has gifted you to do everything that he has put in you every desire that he has put in you you are his creation God has given that to you you are possessors not owners we are stewards we are managers not owners Our job is to manage what has been given to us. Likewise, we got to remember that everything that we have has been given to us, and it's not really ours to use just for us anyway. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Everything in it, that means you, that means me, that's us. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8 adds, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. In other words, he has the rights, but you and I have the responsibility. He is the master, I'm just the manager. I am the servant, he is the sovereign. Have you allowed this basic principle to guide your life? See, you and I don't really own anything. We don't own anything, not our money, Not our gifts, not our talents. Everything belongs to the Lord. This is a matter of lordship in our lives. Now, we think verses and teachings like this only have to do with money. But until we recognize this truth that he is really sovereign over everything, we're not going to be good managers of what God has entrusted to us, including our gifts and our passions and our skills. Our days are in his hands. And our gifts and abilities are on loan from him. Did you know the money that flows in your hands every time you get a paycheck is just an advance from the Almighty? Amen. Our houses, our cars, our clothes, every possession we have, it does not really belong to us. So the first principle we need to learn from this parable is, what we have is not ours. Everybody say, it's not mine. Now, here's the second thing we need to learn. He gives us what we can handle. He gives us what we can handle. In verse 15, we see that the master gave talents to three of his servants. What happened? He gave one guy five, gave one guy two, gave one guy one. Master gave the first guy five talents. And you know what they estimate in modern uh, dollars what it was probably worth? Approximately $1.5 million. That's a whole lot of money. (laughs) The second guy received two talents, approximately $600,000. The third steward received one talent, or around $300,000. Now, the Bible says that every servant received talents, don't miss this, according to his ability. According to his ability. Hear me. Your responsibility is directly tied to your ability. But don't miss, he did not reward the ones with more ability any more than he would reward the guy with less ability. He said, be faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you Lord over many things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, after challenging the believers to be united by not breaking into subgroups, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 and 5. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? He said, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Look at the last line. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Did you know what is going to earn you a well-done, good and faithful servant proclamation? The testimony that each one of us did the work the Lord gave us. See, I don't have to do Rodney's work. And thank God, Rodney is skilled in a lot of areas that I don't even try to do anymore because he's so good at it. He's got skills I don't have. But guess what? I'm not going to give an account for Rodney's abilities. Rodney's going to give an account for Rodney's abilities. I'm going to give an account for what God has called me to do. You're going to give an account for what God has called you to do. So here's the question. Really, it's a two-fold question. Are you ready? It's in your notes. Number one, what is your task? And number two, are you doing it? Some of you know your task. Great. Here's the next question, though. Are you doing it? Amen. Now, I'm not going to, I don't want to, embarrass anybody, but I want you to know, there is no menial task in the kingdom of God, and when you serve other people. Justin, you're going to get mad at me, but Justin, I want you to stand. Justin Johnson. Matter of fact, run up here real quick. Do you all see this man? I love this guy right here. Everybody in this church, you owe Justin a big thanks. He has saved our church literally tens of thousands of dollars. He keeps all the air conditioning units running in this building. He's never charged the church one red penny. Amen. You know what he's doing? He's using his gifts for the glory of God. Using his gifts for the glory of God. Now, I'm not going to divulge too much. We had a situation recently. A single mom that's in this church had a major crisis of a situation in her home I called Justin I said Justin I don't even know what to do we helped her and you know what Justin said let me go over there and look at this and without going into all the details Justin went over there he said I can fix this problem and you know what the church did we bought the materials Justin spent hours of labor helping a single mother in this church didn't charge us one penny you, want, you don't know what that is that is serving one another thank you buddy yeah, you ought to give this man a big hand. Yeah. Serving one another. You'll probably never see him up here speaking behind the pulpit. I like, do you, Justin, you want to speak for a little? No. <laughs> Already knew that answer. But he's using his gifts for the glory of God. You say HVAC gifts, you better believe it. Because I'm comfortable in this building right now, amen? (laughs) We got 14-year-old units that are starting to hobble a little bit. They got a limp, amen. But you know what? He band-aids them up. I could go through, I could start naming names all through this building. Herb Overton, he's standing in the back. Raise, Raise your hand, Herb. You know what Herb's doing? Herb's doing a lot of things right now. He's keeping some of us safe. He's watching over our kids. He gives Nakoda a matchbox car every Sunday morning. I saw him do it this morning. He gives my little grandson a matchbox car. You know what? He's using his gifts for the glory of God. He's greeting people at the door. He does so much. I'm just telling you, folks, we need to remember God has called us to serve others. To serve others in whatever area he has gifted us to do. So what is your task, number one? And number two, are you doing it? Are you good with kids? Great. What are you doing about it? You're a member and you really can't serve one Sunday a month on a children's ministry team? And you're good with kids? Man, pastor, you're getting a little bold. Well, I'm just trying to speak on behalf of the master here. Amen. The nursery, once a month? Youth ministry, guest services, care ministry, music ministry. you know, There's so many areas we can serve. Are you doing it? Look at Matthew 25, verse 23. They were judged on their faithfulness to their assignment. Don't miss that. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let me, I'm not going to preach on this real quick. I want you to notice this. You know where you find the joy of the Lord? When you are fulfilling your purpose. Oh, I could take the rest of the sermon and just talk about that. There are so many unhappy Christians right now. You say you love Jesus, but you're not happy. You know why? You have not entered into the joy of serving and finding your purpose. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're on the team, it is no fun to ride the bench forever. When I played softball, and every year I got incrementally worse. But I'm going to tell you, the day that I ride the bench every single game is the day I join a new team. Because I want to get out there and strike out, amen. I want to at least make a, make a feigned attempt at a base hit. Because it's no fun to ride the pine. And I just got to say, in God's kingdom, why in the world would you give your life to Jesus and His kingdom and be content to ride the pine the rest of your life? Amen? Luke 24, 48, part of that verse, it says, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. See, we like the whole much is given part. Give me much, give me much, give me much, much, much. Okay. And you know what the Lord does? After he gives it to us, he looks back at us and goes, give me much, give me much, give me much, much, much. If I give it to you, he says, I'm going to require something from you. And who much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. You know what? God knows exactly what we can handle. And our job is to be faithful with, with whatever amount we have to work with. Do we trust that God knows more about us than we even know about ourselves? Here's the third point. Number one. What we have is not ours. Number two, he gives us what we can handle. Number three, we must invest what we've been given. you got to invest it. Can't stick it in a hole in the ground. You got to invest it. Verse 16 tells us that the man who received five talents went and put his money to work and he gained five more. The guy who got two talents, he took the two, he gained two more, ended up with four. Verse 18 describes the other approach of the third guy, Matthew 25, 18. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, guys, I don't want to indict this guy too bad because I think there was some fear tied to this. He's like, man, all I got is this one thing. What if I screw this up? What if I mess this up? And I think some of us are so afraid or we feel so limited that we're like, if I don't have a whole lot to give, I'm not going to give anything at all. That's not what the message is. Use what you've got for the glory of God. Amen. A boy named Antonio, true story, he wanted to sing in the Cremona Boys Choir but was not accepted because his voice was too high and squeaky. Amen. Apparently that was not his talent, right? So you know what he did? He tried his hand at music. He began to take violin lessons, and he was so bad at playing the violin that his neighbors persuaded his parents to make him stop. Yet Antonio still wanted to make music, and he loved the violin. So his friends gave him such a hard time because His only talent was woodwork and whittling wood. So Antonio, when he was older, he began to serve as an apprentice to a violin maker. He loved violins, he was good with wood, and his knack for whittling grew into a skill of carving, and his hobby became his craft. He worked patiently, he worked faithfully. By the time he died, he had built over 1,500 violins, each one bearing a label with his name on it that read, Antonio Stradivarius. The Stradivarius violin is the most sought after violin in the world, and one of them sold in 2011 for $16 million. Hear me, Antonio couldn't sing, he couldn't play, he couldn't preach or teach. But his responsibility was to invest and use his ability. And his violins are still making beautiful music today. The Stradivarius. Here's what I want to know. How many Stradivariuses are sitting on this pew? But you're not using what God gave you because you're still mad because the choir director said you got a high and squeaky voice. You're mad because when you took the violin lessons, the neighbors said, he stinks, do something else. You're mad because your friends mocked you because all you could do was work with wood. But you know what you did? You know what he did? He took his desire, his gift, his passion, he put it together, and he created the greatest violin ever built. What are you doing? What are you not doing that God has gifted you to do? See, here's the next thing in your notes. Don't miss this. Our potential is God's gift to us, but what we do with it is our gift to Him. The potential God put in you, that's your gift, from God to you. You want to give God back a gift? What you do with it is your gift to Him. Are you investing what you've been given, regardless of how much it is? Or have you buried your blessing and kept it hidden from others? Number one, what we have... I'm almost out of time, and I'm not even half done. What we have is not ours. Number two, he gives us what we can handle. Number three, got to invest what we've been given. And number four, here's the part that that we need to remember, we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. This is not just a warm, fuzzy, oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. No, 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 no. We will be held accountable as believers. 1 Timothy 4.14 Do not neglect the gift that is in you. None of us want to be audited by the IRS, right? None of us do. Tax season's coming up. Don't like it. But guess what? We're all going to be audited by the Almighty. We're going to give an account for how we've used what we've been given. Look at verse 19 of Matthew 25. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. There is a day of settling coming for each of us. Jesus is coming again, and there will be a day of reckoning. And while most of us believe this in our heads, we don't always live this out with our hearts. If we would think more about His return, we'd probably be more focused on making an eternal return out of His investment in us. Amen. So we got to be faithful in doing whatever He gives us to do. He's invested something in you, and one day He's coming back to claim it. 1 John 2, 28, and now little children abide in Him, and when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. See, wouldn't it be terrible to be ashamed and unprepared when Jesus comes back? And we need to get in the habit of asking ourselves this question. How will my money management, how will my gift management, how will my time management, how will this decision to serve or not serve look on that day of accountability? Because the third guy did not use what he had been given, and he lost it according to verse 28. The Lord looked at him, and he was kind of ticked off. He said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. It's a use it or lose it principle. Don't hold back your gifts from using them for God and His kingdom out of fear or out of selfishness or out of laziness or whatever. Don't hold back because you messed up five years ago or 10 years ago and you don't think anybody's going to give you a chance again. I want you to know you're a life church. Welcome. Amen. We don't keep score here. You are welcome to serve God to the best of your ability and use your gifts for His glory. In verse 20, 29, we learned that. Those who are faithful with the little things will have an abundance. It says, for everyone who has been given more, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will give, he will have an abundance. God has created you and I with natural abilities and given us special gifts for a reason. And he wants us to use those gifts to serve other people. Not just in the church, but outside of the church. There's a lot of ways to serve. There's as many ways as there are people, and there's a lot of ways we can serve others as long as we're doing it in God's love. Amen? We don't serve selfishly, hoping to receive back. We serve selflessly, giving of our time and our talents to help other people. When one person isn't using what God has given them, did you know everybody else suffers? We do. That's what Paul illustrated in 1 Corinthians 12 when he compared the church to being a body with many parts. A body has many parts, eyes, ears, feet, which function together in harmony so that the body works the way that it should. And if one part of your body isn't functioning, the rest of the body suffers. You've heard us say this many times. I'm just going to quickly uh, repeat it so I can move on with my notes. But at Life Church, we minister to three areas of need. Number one, we minister to people's physical needs. God said in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me drink. I needed clothes and you clothed me, sick and you cared for me, in prison and you visited me. Whenever you have done this to the least person, you did it to me. Folks, I want to encourage you, every time you give your tithes, your offerings and your missions, we minister to people's physical needs. To God be the glory, amen. Number two, we minister to people's emotional needs. People have all kinds of emotional needs. The Bible says it takes different kinds of ministries. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, you warn the idle, you encourage the timid, you help the weak, you're patient with all. I love the Bible. Isn't it great? It says some people, you got to warn them. You got to give, some people just need a good kick. Amen. It says, but some people, you need to encourage them, you need to hug them. You need to help them. Amen. We respond to different people in different ways. And thirdly, we minister to people's spiritual needs. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what reconciliation is? It's when you bring two opposing parties and you bring them together. That's what we do with people's spiritual needs. Real quickly, how do I invest my talent? Let's look at Romans 12 for some answers. First of all, Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So, the first thing we got to do is we got to dedicate ourselves. If you want to invest your talents, the first thing you do is dedicate yourself. Folks, you wouldn't be here most likely unless you'd already done that or you're contemplating doing that. You said, Jesus Christ, I want to serve you. I dedicate myself to you. I may not understand it all, but I dedicate myself to be what you want me to be. And you present yourself over and over and over again. Many of us are not serving, can I just say it? Because we're not fully dedicated. And we haven't dedicated ourselves fully to the king and to his kingdom. I want to challenge you today. Dedicate yourself to God and watch the blessings flow in your life. Enter into the joy of the Lord by finding your purpose and serving Him with your gifts. Now, one reason for the lack of dedication is the next thing that you and I need to do. Are you ready? you got to eliminate distractions. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God. Now this is a step that a lot of us need to take right now. The reason why some of us haven't been able to be involved in ministry can I just say It's because your life is filled up with everything else but ministry. I heard somebody try to give a clap and then they got scared. Go ahead. (laughs) Amen. Don't be afraid. Bring it. Bring it. See How many of you will acknowledge that we are the most distracted generation ever? Everywhere we turn, there's distractions. Everywhere we turn, there's something to do, something else to do. And the reason why many of us are not involved is because our life is too full of other things. After the act of dedication comes the act of elimination. You dedicate yourself to God, and then you've got to eliminate the distractions from your life. None of us can burn the candle at both ends. You can't always straddle the fence because if you're serious about serving God, you're going to have to cut some competing and distracting things out of your life. Amen. I say that with love, not only for yourself but for your family. Can I just talk to all the parents who still have children living at home, whether they're they're small children or, or or teenagers? If you fill up your kids' calendars with every type of activity that there is, but there's no time for youth ministry or children's ministry or serving others, you are doing them a tremendous disservice. You are teaching them poor priorities. Check this out. You think you got it forever? There's only about 350 weeks that you have to shape a teenager. 350 weeks. Go ahead. Some of you are doing the math right now. Age 12 to 18, 52 weeks times 6, 352. 350, right? 350 weeks. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Because it's not. That's right. It's not. You've got to teach your kids. You know why? You are raising up disciples. Because one day they're not going to be 18 anymore. They're going to be 21. They're going to be 25. They're going to be getting married. They're going to be making life decisions. They're going to be joining churches. And they're going to decide, am I going to serve them? Am I going to use my gifts? And a lot of the way they make their decisions is going to be how mommy and daddy taught them to serve in the kingdom of God. So you got to eliminate distractions. You can't keep adding and adding without taking things out. There's only so many hours in the week. There's only so many opportunities. And if you put the important things in life, you're going to have to take some things out that are less important. Hear me, folks. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. It was like, oh, I got to stop doing that. No, no, no. You're choosing the best over better. You're choosing the best over what is good. So, how do I invest my talents? Number one, I dedicate myself. Number two, I eliminate distractions. Number three, I've got to evaluate my strengths. You got to do a Stradivarius. I can't sing. I can't play. But I'm good at building these things. Romans chapter twelve verse three. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, check it out, look, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Everybody say soberly. This has nothing to do with your blood alcohol content. Think soberly, realistically, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, be honest. Every one of us are a great mixture of strengths and weaknesses you got some things that you're good at. you got some things you're not so good at. The key is to find out what am I good at. Hear me. Humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses. God's made some of you really good at some stuff. Use it for His glory. You're not so good at other things. Acknowledge that. Quit trying to pretend. (laughs) And go with what you're gifted to do. It's okay to say, I'm good with my hands. Why? God made you that way. It's okay to say I'm good with my words. Some of you are good with people. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say I'm really good at making people feel loved. That's good. Some of you are really bad with people. I love you, but we don't need you on the guest services team. Amen. (laughs) Some of you are awesome with kids. We need you in children's ministry. Some of you have beautiful voices, or you've got musicians, you've got skills. We could use you on our music team, amen. But be honest with yourself and evaluate your strengths. And finally, the last point I want to make is in order to invest your talents, you also need to cooperate with other believers. I want the praise team and the band to come on up. You've got to cooperate with other believers. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, notice. So we being many are one body in Christ. And individually members of one another. you got to cooperate with other believers to totally fulfill your potential. That's where being a member of a church is so important and significant in your own personal development and in your walk with God. This leads me to our dream teams. This is your opportunity to cooperate with other believers. Our dream teams are simply our ministry teams that we encourage every Life Church member to be part of. And let, let me just, let me spell that out real clearly. And for some of you, Life Church might not be the church for you, but hear me loud and clear as the pastor of this church. Our desire is that every member of Life Church serves on a dream team. I'm not mincing words, this is not bait and switch. We want you to serve on a team. Some teams are in the building. Some teams do stuff outside of the building. There's ways to serve. We will connect you. But you need to find your purpose. And you need to join a team and serve for the glory of God. So you can enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. It's not just about, oh, they want something out of me. They want my money. They want me to volunteer. No, we want to be the best church we can be. And we need you to do that. We need you to become that. Don't do ministry alone. God didn't create us to be alone, solos, silos, just standing all by ourselves. Have you ever seen all those videos on YouTube? I used to say you watch it on TV, but now everybody just watches stuff on the internet. See those, when you see the, the lions and the cheetahs attack all the groups of gazelles, what do they look for? They look for that one that's off by himself. The one that's skirting off from the edge of the crowd. Those are the ones the enemy likes to pluck off. Don't do ministry by yourself. There are things that we can do as a church together that none of us can do by ourselves. Did you know, for example, I'm going to be real honest and candid with you right now. We would like to offer a 9 a.m. service to give people more options for attending church and being in service, and a service that gives their family the most flexibility. That's a good thing, right? And if you don't believe that, drive by Faith Landmark at 8.30. That parking lot is slammed full. There's people in our community that would love to experience what Life Church is offering, but they ain't going to do it at 11 o'clock. But you know what? In order to do that, we need more Dream Teamers on our children's ministry team, our guest services team, our media team. Man, I'd love for you to have a 9 o'clock service. Great. What ministry are you serving in? Help us make it happen. Help us make it happen. Cooperating with other believers is different than observing other believers. There's brochures in your seat that give a bullet point overview of some of the ministries you can get involved in as members of Life Church. Look it over, pray it over. Join the growth track, and take the classes to become a member. Get involved and use your gifts. We start a brand new month of classes. Uh, every, Every first Sunday There's a class going on every Sunday Just do it Just do it As soon as we dismiss this service today You're going to have a chance To visit the tables in the back of the auditorium Talk to some Dream Team members and leaders About their ministries And what it takes to get involved But I want to ask the big question again And it's what our series is about What if Everyone Served one another I want you to stand with me all over this building Colossians three twenty three through 24 and whatever you do do it heartily as to the Lord not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The greatest statement any believer will ever hear is this one, Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, I mentioned that the first thing you need to do to invest your talent is to dedicate yourself. I want to come back to that point because really that's the most important decision you're ever going to make. Not which team you're going to join, but that you get on that team. <laughs> that you get on Team Jesus, amen? That you join the kingdom of God. That's more important than joining a church or a dream team. That you become a part of the kingdom. So with that, every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray over us right now. And then I'm going to also open up this altar and invite you to step out from where you are. And here's what I want to do. Number one, I want to invite those who need to dedicate themselves to God. The greatest step you will ever make is that first step of repenting of your sins and inviting the Lord into your life, asking Him to fill you with His Spirit, asking Him to help you begin a brand new walk. But then for others of you, you're already a believer, you're serving the Lord. But for whatever reason, you just haven't taken that step to engage. I want to challenge you today to step out and say, God, I'm going to use my gifts for your glory. No more excuses, no more holding back. I'm going to serve you. And as our praise team begins to pray, uh, sing, let me pray for you. And As they sing, I want you to just step out and make that brand new commitment. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, today, I say thank you. I say thank you for every man, woman, and child that's here, God. It's free we want to dedicate ourselves. Would you come? This altar's open. We want to dedicate ourselves to you, God. We want to yes, dedicate ourselves. Privilege to leave the
2: sunset free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child. Would welcome come
1: Come on that's it I was lost but he brought me Oh his love for Come on it Yes yes Oh his, his
2: love, love for me who oh, the sun sets free Oh is free Lost but he brought me all oh, his love.